right. Episode one three. Boy, what is it, Bob? One three six. Is that right? That's the one. That's All right. One three six. Six. November ninth, two thousand twenty. Bob Nastanovich, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. You know, I had a um, a lengthy Zoom chat with um, some of my dear friends from England, and when I say lengthy, nearly four hours. Wow. On the Zoom with. Uh, John and Emma MacArthur and, and uh, Emma Berry is a regular mm-hmm. listener of the show. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, four hours of story exchanges. And we own a horse together. Right. A massive individual named Dear Alex. And, <laughs> and um, he's got a bit of an issue. So that was part of the discussion. He just needs a vacation. He's going to be fine, mm-hmm. uh, we think. And um, John Berry, his trainer, came, told us exactly what was going on. And that led... After John departed to go to sleep like a normal horseman, because he gets up in the middle of the night to train horses, we began three-plus hours of chicanery and uh, <laughs> storytelling. So it was like basically as close as I get to um, being in the UK this year, which is you know uh, normally an annual thing for me. I spent a few weeks over there, so it's the best I can do. So you know, Zoom is cool in that regard. It takes us into their living rooms and... and um, Sounds like the yes. virtual, you know, chat around the uh, fire pit. Yeah, pretty much. It was great. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, you know, the interesting thing is for them, of course, they're six hours ahead. Mm-hmm. So I, right. I'm I'm sipping water and they're having, you know, <laughs> wine and beer, you know. But uh, yeah, we had fair. a nice time. It's very pleasant. That's but yeah, fair. everything's everything's good here. It's turned. The weather's turned, you know, like mm-hmm. as if anybody gives a shit. But it is, uh, it is cold and wet here. But um, yeah, I mean, right. you know. Yeah, you're hanging in, you know. Sure, we're sure. hanging in. We'll 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 talk we'll talk more as we go. But uh, I'll start it. I'll start it with some music, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start it with something current. Came out uh, probably about six weeks ago. I want to want to imagine, uh, and this is from a 30 year old woman. Uh, boy, I think she's based in the Chicago area. Maybe. Yeah, I know she's an Ohioan. Oh, okay. Well, so she's go. from Columbus. I think she grew. She grew up somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Ohio, and and I know she cut her teeth in Columbus. I don't okay. know if she's moved on to Chicago because a lot of Midwesterners do that. But you may know more about her than I do. I know a little bit. I know a couple records, but I don't know a ton. Anyway, I'm, we're talking about Lydia Loveless. She's um, a cool country artist. She put out uh, a few records on Bloodshot. She. Um, just recently released an album called Daughter on her own label, um, which is a very bold thing to do in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, but she did it. It's great... I mean, it's, you know, that's I've got an artist I'm going to play at the end of the show that, that does the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah, if you can afford it, I yeah. mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's odd, though, that, I mean, I would call her a somewhat established artist. Yeah, she's yeah, she's you know, very established. In that in that she's uh, has been on record labels for years and she put out her first record probably about 10 years ago uh on I don't know if it was on but Bloodshot, but maybe you know shortly after that she jumped to Bloodshot and um you know uh, after however long decided, you know, I'm going to do this on my own uh and so put out the album the album's called Daughter, her label's called Honey, you're gonna be late. Records, <laughs> uh, and you know it's the only release on it is her own record that came out six weeks ago. So, uh, it's, and it's it's really incredibly good, uh, cool. really well written. You know, and and she's 
you'll hear she the lyrics are very um you know kind of emotionally bare raw like you know it's kind of countryish for sure um, that's kind of always been her vibe she comes right. from like a musical family right yeah i know that country like she's so one of those like you know prodigious musicians that was like playing the piano when she was seven and right. yeah right yeah but she was i mean she was writing uh songs recording her own demos of songs called you know with with titles like uh you know back on the bottle when she was 15 and gonna get drunk you know so like she's she's living she's also living the hard life and she's been living the hard life for a while i don't know if she's uh, you know, still active in those pursuits or not, but, um, you know, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's been pre- precocious. So, uh, and emotionally precocious too. And the, and the lyrics of this one kind of, uh, bear that out. So anyway, check it out. This one's called it's dead rider, Lydia Loveless, three songs. Cool. Welcome to my bachelor pad. I stay here when things get bad And I just want to get away Send the kids outside to play and do
Lydia Loveless. Yeah, she's got a big sound. Yeah, she does. She's just got a, such a presence to her voice, and in the songwriting is and just. She plays beautiful. guitar as well. I think she's the lead guitarist. Definitely yeah. somebody doing the slide on that too. Mm-hmm. It's a big band. Yeah, um, she's a huge. You know, she's you know a huge critic's fave, and I know there's a documentary about her that I've never seen called "Who Is Lydia Loveless?" The same guy that made the Grant Hart documentary. Oh, I've seen that. Grant Hart documentary, but I haven't seen the Lydia Loveless one. Yeah, I'll, I'll check. I'm definitely going to check more of her stuff out because I was familiar with her before, um, but this record came out and it just really hit me. Like I've listened to it, I don't know, six, seven, eight times in the last six weeks, um, and I love it. It's, it's just, a lot. Yeah. It's just really, really, really good. Um, and she's been doing some, during COVID, she's been doing some live streams on, on Instagram and whatnot. Um, which is kind of cool. Seems like know? the kind of artist that could pull that off. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's. Um, I've watched a little bit of it. It's, <laughs> like when you know, you're really talented, you can do that. Stuff. Right, right. Yeah. It's just her yeah. on a piano, and she's just kind of goofing around, and she'll do some covers and stuff. Like, you know, uh, she she's released covers of uh, "I Would Die for You" by Prince, and um, "Allison" by, um, of course, Elvis Costello. Um, but yeah, just a really t- talented, you know, I mean, talented young person, crazy that she's, I mean, I was like, I had to do a double take when I saw that she's only 30. She was born in 1990 because it just seems like she's been around for so long. But Yeah, no, I think since she was a teenager. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like kind of like a very cool Taylor Swift or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like if Taylor Swift was like really fucking cool, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I have no problems with Taylor Swift. Right, me neither. I mean, yes, yeah. yeah, I remember seeing a sixty minutes feature on her, and I don't really know, you know, that much about her, but she sure does work hard mm-hmm. for her super superstardom, and so does Lydia Loveless. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, well, one thing that's going on in the show tonight is that you're playing artists that a lot of people will know and i'm playing i know that you sort of like to play or both of us do we like to sort of play unheralded artists like people that we've really enjoyed over the years that haven't gotten the attention that we think that they deserve right i'm playing i'm playing like largely completely uncompletely unknown artists that's Um, great i love that me like this first one might be known in toronto um, they do have an album um, called, the guy's name is Dave Schoenderbeek. Um, he's obviously of Dutch descent, dis, 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 Dutch descent. <laughs> a little bit of a tongue twister for me. Schoenderbeek, S-C-H-O-N-D-E-R-B-E-E-K. You can hear it all on Bandcamp. You can buy the record off of Bandcamp. He, um, he generously sent me his album. Let It Beak. His backup band is called The Divine Right. And uh, he sent it to me about three or four months ago, and I've listened to it several times, and I, I really like it. And uh, I think it's just a, a a cool, basically unknown act. Dave Schoenderbeek with The Divine Right. The song is called Wolves.
Dave Schunderbeek. That's cool. Yeah, nice. He rock obviously will rock the house like when he get when we get back to rocking. Crazy, crazy <laughs> dual guitar attack going on. There. Yeah, three piece band there. You know, I think it's two guitars and drums. Yeah, wow. They, yeah. they fill it out. You know, they I kick out the jams. Yeah, I would imagine a, a a more extensive band than just three pieces, but. Yeah, who knows? And, I mean, like, you know, as far as I know, like, you know, judging from the, the photographs and all the information I have of the record, Let It Beak is the name, B-E-E-K, the last four letters of his last name. You can check it out on Bandcamp. Bandcamp. And that's the only, that's their only release, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think like, um, just like Lydia Loveless, but on a different le- uh, level, he, he put it out himself. And, um, and yeah, I just, think, I just think it's a cool record. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for the tip. I'll check it out. Yeah, Toronto, man. The emerging scene of Toronto. There are which is, some... I think, kind of always been an emerging scene, but yeah, you know, Toronto is pretty happening. There are some, there are some good artists in Toronto. I've been meaning to play and meaning to discuss Daniel Romano. Are you familiar with him? No, no, never heard of him. Yeah. Okay, so so this guy has like been working overtime in 2020. He's put out, I think, something like eight or ten albums this year um you know it's like he probably would rather be playing live shows but oh yeah maybe that's not his thing oh for no for sure like in fact like some of them are live albums like um i've been meaning like some people watch meaningless sporting events like i do and some people like make songs so yeah yeah daniel i mean i could have made 25 albums uh instead of of watching meaningless sporting events but um <laughs> I, I don't i can't write songs like mr romano and mr Schunderbeek. i will um <laughs> or or miss or miss loveless <laughs> I, I i wasn't necessarily planning on playing him right now so i don't know i i could pivot and play daniel romano but he's been on my short list to play I'll one throw of these him in. well no you can well it's up to you you know You've got to make a quick decision I here. do have to. Well, because you're, yeah, I mean, you know, go ahead. I mean, if you know one to throw on, throw uh, it on. I, um, uh, we'll come back to that. Let's, let's, let's save that one for next episode because I may end up playing two from my next artist who is, uh, as you mentioned, I'm playing ones that are better known. Well, you know, even better known than Lydia Loveless is, uh, Jimi Hendrix. And, uh, <laughs> a few shows back. I mean. We played we played some artists like Prince and Leonard Cohen and the Replacements and um, the Who, you know these these artists that we had for hundred and some odd episodes just skipped over because we figured everybody knew them, uh, and Hendrix of course fits into that vein as well. It's probably bigger than just about everybody we played on that show. Yeah, in many whatever you know, you know. right right. Um, but I think you know we we kind of talked about it even during the show and and afterwards like it allows us to go a little deeper in their catalog or to tell our own personal stories and experiences about artists that uh you know probably everybody has some form of personal experience with um and well, so when did you first like you know buy a Jimi hendrix record or a cassette or um, you know so my personal experience goes back to when i was very very young my older brother 13 for me i think 12 or 13 yeah so i was younger i was much younger my older brother um fred who uh actually three days ago would have turned 59 um he passed away in the mid 90s 
Rest um, his soul. Rest his soul. And every year he was he was a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. What's the age difference there? Uh, like nine and a half. Um, okay, so, so he was like a proper adult, so, like you know. Right, he was a teenager. Like, was Hendrix's god? Yeah, pretty much. Like he was a yeah. teenager, and I was like six years old, basically. Yeah. And he would play his guitar and blast Hendrix. And that was my experience. And it was... What, do you have an elect- electric guitar and an amp and everything? Oh, was yeah. He like... Yeah, yeah. All that. All that stuff. Could he, could he rock? Oh, like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Was uh, he in bands ever? Or just like... Um, you know, it was more just like goofing around with friends. Not like serious, yeah, yeah. like, I'm in a band. But he... Now he would have been in a band. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like later he... And back then, I think people like just goofed around with friends now they form a band when they goof around with right. friends but like back then i think most people thought that you had to be big sure to be a band yeah you know? because because you're talking like mid-70s yeah and, i mean you and, had to be like you know whatever you know unless unless you were doing the punk rock thing which he was not um right you kind of the classic he was doing uh, the legends of the game right you felt like you felt like a band was not really in your you know, in, you're in, in California during these days. Yeah. In, in LA. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so that was always my experience. And for me, Hendrix was just this loud crush, you know, the, he loved, you know, Fred loved the, uh, star spangled banner, his version at, you know, um, Woodstock, like the really loud psychedelic stuff was what I first heard from Hendrix. Um, See, I just had the greatest hits on cassette. Are you so, experienced? And then later, as I, yeah, the great cover of All Along the Watchtower, and sure, like, let me stand next to your fire. Smash hits, yeah, yeah. Just um, the smash hits. It's yeah. like smash hits you get for three ninety nine at Peach. Before you, before I even knew what a cool record store was, right. like there was there was Peaches, remember? Right. Oh yeah. And like, yeah. What, did you have Tower and Peaches out there? You we had more Tower. Yeah, yeah. Peaches was not a West Coast thing. Um, yeah, Peaches. Yeah, we had Peaches in Richmond. That's where like, like it had a unique smell. Had, I recall. And we had Music Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all like it was basically all cassettes. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there was albums there, but mm-hmm. like you just buy. You could get cassettes for like two ninety nine or so. there was loads of seven inches. Right. Right, yeah. For nine ninety nine cents. You could always get, you know, the top one hundred for ninety nine cents. Yeah. Usually in white sleeves. Yeah. 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 Um, Anyways, Hendrix. But Hendrix, yeah. So the Cosmic Guitarist. When I when I kinda got into Hendrix and like was able to listen to him as an adult or at least as somebody on my own and not filtered through my experience as you know, a pretty young kid uh, w- when I had no control over the music, if you know what I mean. Um, I ended so it's up- interesting that you had, not to interrupt you, but it's interesting that you had Fred because I had, I was living in, I was really young, like same age as you when you're talking about Fred jamming out to Hendrix. Like there was scary kids in the neighborhood in Rochester, New York. Yeah. Like, you know, scary teenagers that, like, you know, had, scary to me because they had, like, long hair and they listened to Hendrix. Well, didn't you talk about them on the, um... Yeah, uh, the Walker Brothers. The but Walker they, Brothers, right. Yeah, yeah. And, but there was, there, was, there was a few other groups of the teens and they were just, like, they were obviously, like, doing at least weed. Right. And, like, and like they had a garage and, like, the music that would emanate from there was, like, um, terrifying to a 
somebody who's Teddy's age. You know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, right, 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 for um, sure. So, for sure. Um, so it made them scary. Just their and, music alone made them scary. Yeah, and, and, you know, to be honest, that's kind of my experience with Hendrix when I was a kid. It was a little, yeah, yeah. little frightening for me, um, and it took me a little while to kind of come to terms with it. And when I did, I gravitated towards kind of his mellower side and his beautiful side. Um, and so that's what I want to play here because I don't think that that is really what is, uh, when people think about Hendrix, they think about the histrionics, they think about him lighting his guitar on fire, they think about him being such an amazing groundbreaking guitarist, but they don't think about the delicacy of his playing and some of the beautiful songs that he wrote. So I'm going to play one and maybe even two, if you indulge me that are kind of along those same lines. And this one is kind of the first real track after the weird intro on Axis Bold as Love. This is from his second album, 1967. This one's Up From The Skies. I just wanna talk to you I wanna do you no harm I just wanna know about your different lives I will save people from I heard some of you got your families living in cages, tall and cold. Some just stay there and dust away past the age of old. Is this true? Please let me talk to you. I just wanna know about the rooms behind your minds. Do I see a vacuum? Or am I going blind? Or is it just a remains for vibrations that was long ago? Things like love the world and let your fancy flow. Is this true? Please let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. I have lived here before, the days of ice And of course this is why I'm so concerned And I come back to find the stars misplaced And the smell of a world that is burned
Hendrix. That was an amazing recording, really. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if every, everybody but. listening to it is listening in headphones like I am, and probably you are, Bob. But it's an experience in headphones, phones for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of um, wackiness. I mean, it's you know, obviously the guy was just all over his wall while pedal. Yeah, you know, right. There's a lot of pan. But I mean, like you could you could play that for it's just about anybody that's heard Jimi Hendrix. They would know that's Jimi Hendrix. So it's a, it's a, it's a very distinctive, completely, completely distinctive. Yeah. But you know, that's also one of the songs that I think doesn't really get a lot of. Oh no, I think you got to be a pretty hardcore fan to like. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, it, it's on one of the main records that was released in his lifetime. But yeah, it's it's not the one you're going to hear on the classic rock stations. No, no, no. It's a deep cut, as they say. It is. It is. Um, yeah, it's a cool one. It is. Um, can I play one more? Absolutely. Okay. Um, this one is a song that was originally released after he passed away in 71 on The Cry of Love. And um, I knew it from a CD called Voodoo Soup that came out in 95 um, and... My brother, uh, I think, bought it right when it came out. It was an attempt to um, kind of recreate this album that that Hendrix had recorded, but wasn't able to release, you know, because he passed away. Uh, and the song is so. It, it, Voodoo Soup is the name of the the CD compilation reissue, and my brother bought it, and um, he passed away probably the next year. And when I went down to LA and my mom said we want to play a Hendrix song at his funeral what do you think we should play I immediately thought this like there was a tough no, question for there God was sakes. yeah but there was no other <laughs> how old were you then uh like 24 25 question. tough it, question it, it, I didn't hesitate but I guess it was easy for you I didn't hesitate easy. because I couldn't yeah. imagine any other song but this one it's it's almost cliche it was so perfect so um, yeah. it's a, and it's a beautiful Sometimes song. Sometimes cliches are perfect. It, that's right. They're, they're cliches for a reason. It's yeah. a beautiful yeah. song. It's, it's incredibly well written and the guitar playing is amazing. The song's called Angel. For Fred. For Fred. She stayed with me just long enough to rescue me And she told me a story yesterday About the sweet love between the moon and the deep blue sea And then she spread her wings high over me She said she's gonna come back tomorrow And I said fly on my
song i've always loved and you know kind of hits differently heavy vibes heavy vibes yeah, yeah. well you know. wouldn't want to wouldn't want to have been the drummer for the outro bit because it's really hard to keep up with jim what jimmy's obviously right. doing his own time there right right yeah. for sure um wouldn't want to have been the drummer in any situation with uh <laughs> some well i mean i guess you can't go wrong because he's just like when Jimmy's going off, you just don't hit very hard. You just kind of <laughs> you just divorce yourself from the musical situation. Let yeah. him do his thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, what else can we add to the Hendrix story that hasn't already been communicated? Which is why, for me, like it's it's very personal music. You know, it's it's I will never hear Hendrix and not think of my brother. Yeah, I mean, I only I only hear Hendrix and think of like you know my sort of like early teenage years really because like that was you know living in richmond which had like big power rock radio stations like you know he would frequently be played mm-hmm. and um i just knew that like you know, like i said i just knew the hits you know like i mean I'm, i think i have a Jimi hendrix record you know that 
you know, just, just the hits. So like, mm-hmm. yes, thank you for delving a little deeper. You know, like it's not my area of expertise because I think it's a, I've told you before, like an artist of that magnitude who completely existed in every way, shape and form before my lifetime, who was obviously so huge. I almost had this like attitude, like he's already got like, He's gone. He's got you know, his fans. There's, there's, right. there's that. You know, there's, right. there was always that. Like, I always had this attitude when I started listening to music when I was 12 and 13, you know, Beatles included, um, that this has all happened sort of before my time, and I should only kind of pay attention to, like, you know, my basic attitude. I know I've said it on the show before, but, like, things that I could possibly see, right. you know? Right. Um and uh, whereas, like, you know, getting to know Gary Young, the first drummer in Pavement, um, he saw Jimi Hendrix, you yeah. know. I mean, he's was born in 1953, which is, was making about, what, what year was Fred born? 61. Yes, I mean, you know, Gary um, was a huge Hendrix fan and saw him several times, you know. And like, you know, Gary's a multi-instrumentalist, too. Like, he's obviously you know, a fantastic drummer, but like he could play guitar, bass, everything, you know, he's a studio guy. So like, yeah. you know, Hendrix was huge to him, Sure, you know, sure. huge to everybody, huge to him and all of his friends, you know, so. Understandably. Yeah. It's massive, you right. know, massive rock star, you know? Right. And, uh, what he died when he was quite famously when he was 27, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's one of the 27s. I mean, know? it's, it's, it's one of those, like what could have been, you know, like there's talk of collaborations with, uh, Miles Davis, you know, uh, Miles was a big fan. I think thanks to his, his wife at the time, Betty Davis, who turned Miles on. To I know Hendrix. that, I know that Betty Davis's backup band was the Hendrix band. Yeah. So, um, you know, Which I mean, are just, famous people? What are their names? Do you know their names off the top of your head? Noel, like, uh, Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding. Yeah, Mitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they like the when sort of Betty Davis got sort of rediscovered in the last five years. Like that was the band. Yeah, right. You know? That's crazy. Um, yeah, but, so she uh, kind of like um, inherited Jimi Hendrix's band. She became Hendrix, um, which you know uh, she's pretty powerful in her own right. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, just imagine, imagine what he could have done. You know, if had had he. Oh, even if he lived to be thirty-seven, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, who knows? But right, right. Um, anyway, anyways, he he left plenty, left plenty behind. Oh yeah, so many recordings yeah. that are still mm-hmm. coming out. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to do the most, perhaps the most unfair pivot in the history of the um, three songs podcast, <laughs> episode one thirty-six. Um, <laughs> I'm going to play an artist that might be lesser known than Dave Schunderbeek with the divine <laughs> right. Um, it's a guy that I met briefly years ago. I met a woman named Jenny Bergen. Um, pavement had a contest and she won the contest and um, it was a day of shopping at Ikea because Camberg wrote that song date with Ikea. <laughs> and um, so, and I was in Richmond visiting my parents. Like I went up to New York and, Jenny Bergen and I went shopping at Ikea. She got like, um, the contest was you had to show how like dire your apartment was and photos and write a story. And like Jenny at the time was living, she just had moved to New York and she was living in like a little tiny apartment with a 70 year old man that she didn't know. And all she had was like an air mattress in a room. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so she won the contest and she's 
very charming and um we developed we, we were fast friends we had, a, we had a good time she got a great sense of humor and um her boyfriend's a guy named mg clark and um and on their, they moved from New York City to Denver, I'm going to say, I'd guess about six years ago. And they stayed here on their way there for a night. And we hung out that night and stuff. And I've always kept in touch with um, both of them. And uh, uh, MG, he makes, uh, you know, he's he, he's a hobby. What's the guy, the Romano guy? Daniel like Romano? He, yeah. He makes music all by himself, you know, like, and um, yeah, I think what he does is, is really cool. So he. He sends me stuff, and um, I'm going to play two songs. Um, the first one is off of something he did called Government GOV Apostrophe T Tapes in 2015. And then I'm very proud and pleased to announce that um, we have Broker's Tip Records has two releases um, actually officially coming out tomorrow. They'll arrive here in boxes, and one of them is a 7-inch EP by MG, and I'll play play a song off of that it's all instrumental music um that he records in his house and um i think it's pretty cool it's like whereas i'm putting out like holiday sidewinder who's an australian artist tomorrow's pretty well known not as well known as lydia loveless um but uh pretty well known worldwide i'm also putting out mgs like i i think somewhat remarkably perhaps crooked tourists included the least well-known Brooker's Tip artists are probably like the most well-known and the least well-known that <laughs> get their seven inches tomorrow. But um, MG's really cool, and he's just a great guy. And uh, this is the validated parking march. This is all in Bandcamp. Um, it's uh, off of a 2015 recording that he did.
had a dark feel to it. That was yeah, yeah. It's like it, this. This is kind of interesting. It's like most of what he's sent me is you know, and, and I've listened to has been you know quite a bit of like you know he plays a lot of things like you know keys and horns and guitar and stuff, and I think he definitely can percuss. And that's what he was doing in 2015, and for his Broker Sip release, um, which is an EP called Four Wounded Dogs, you can you can see how like you know, he changes his styles a lot, you know, mm-hmm. um, just probably, you know, in his case to entertain himself. And, um, but I, I thought what he sent me like about six months ago was really cool. And I decided to put it on the broker's tip. This is four wounded dogs, part two available tomorrow at brokers tip records.com. spoke too soon you can uh, speak now <laughs> <laughs> okay. jimmy's over i mean i'm sorry mg is over <laughs> uh, uh, yeah so like um yeah for i've got uh 50 of these t-shirts um bring on 2021 t-shirts and um, you can get the new holiday side one or seven inch which is a lot of fun 
and the MG Clark EP and a T-shirt for $31.21. And a donation goes to trustwoman.org, which is a a Wichita, uh, Kansas-based organization, which is doing everything they can to protect um, abortion rights in the United States of America, um, which obviously is quite essential right and uh so yeah um but uh, yeah check it out it's cool everything is on Bandcamp, and i'll make sure he slaps up the the new release on Bandcamp here in the next day or so and but uh, we're pretty excited to um have him on vinyl because he's been making music in his house for over a decade i think it's just it's cool to be associated with him because um he's just a just a good dude and he works hard makes music uh, as a hobby that's cool yeah and it's it's got this kind of cool dark um almost like how gelb giant sand desert vibe to it yeah yeah i see that it's savage republic you know too yeah. like um, yeah um i just think it's really cool sounding like um you know again all the tracks are instrumental and it is a vibe you know it is a total vibe yeah yeah, we don't really usually in on Broker's Tip. We've got you know so, things that are more sort of song oriented, uh-huh. and yeah. um, you know that's kind of like you know even you know has a bit of Sun City Girls feel to it. You know, and mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he's just cool. You know, and, and um, I just you know, I'm just I'm, I'm very pleased with every aspect of the. I can't wait to actually see the product itself because yeah. I think like. <laughs> You know, you know, you were just like it. I know. Brother Records, like when you get you know new product because like I do the center labels. That's my only artistic contribution to the, to the records that come out. Like today, I would have done. We've got a new twelve inch coming out in a few months by Martin Dosh, and um, I just do the center label art. And I did the center label art for Martin's today, and um, I did the center label art for this. I, I'm just excited to see the, and the covers, cool, whatever. It's just cool. It's that's, just a cool seven inch. That's you know? nice. Yeah. I look forward. Um, you'll get yours. You'll okay. get yours. You'll get. You'll get the package. In fact, you need to be modeling one of these um, purple T-shirts around Portland. I, I I would happily do so with with a yeah yeah. They're hat. kind of like a thicker cotton than the uh, maroon shirt. So beautiful. It's it's good for the chillier months that we're mm-hmm. heading into. I, but I it like says that. Yeah, you go to the website. You'll you'll get a you'll get a laugh out of okay. the T-shirt. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Bring on 2021, bring on, for God's sake. In 20, fact, 21. bring on January 5th, 2021. We have two yes. uh, runoff sets. Of, you know, that's the biggest day of the uh, year um, right off the bat. We've yeah. got, uh, yeah, Ossoff and Warnick running against two fucking right-wing clowns, um, Purdue and that, that brutal, uh, what's her name? I can't, the, woman yeah, that sold, Lef- the woman that Lefler. sold all her stocks right. when she got the uh, coronavirus intelligence, but Leffler or something, yep. you know. Yeah, and we have. A, I never would have thought I'd say this in my my life as somebody who follows politics, but we got a shot in Georgia now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tip of the cap to Stacey Abrams. And That's right. The whole nine yards, Get, but uh, they're both getting out really, the vote. Yeah, they're getting out the vote. That's key, you know. It it really is, you know, and uh, we since... can save the Senate despite you know which which was like a miserable election day, aside from like the eventual result. Of right. the presidential race, right. um, which is which has we, happened since our last show when I re- ended the show with a rant. <laughs> yeah, which was you know, and I, I was a part of that as well. Like, 
though most of what I said was senseless drivel. But um, <laughs> oh, Bob, I thought the uh, I thought that um, that you know the Senate was lost. You know, and of course McConnell went easily, and Graham's back in, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the Senate was a lost cause. But um, and we clung on to the House, so yep. it seemed just like a a down the ballot down ballot disaster area. Um, yeah. And it pretty much stuck, but we can save Georgia. Right. Let's you get know. it. Come Let's on, Georgia. It. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I mean, despite... So, like, the one thing that I will say about Biden being named, you know, the winner, uh, I, I just urge and hope and implore people to not let their foot off the gas, you know, and not... No, definitely not. Not be like, okay, great, we're done. You know, because I think I did a little bit of that when Obama was elected. It was like, yeah, okay, the adults have this now, and you sort of step back. But Yeah, you weren't thinking about Mitch McConnell. No, you know, know, I wasn't thinking about, like... The nose guard of the, like, you know, America's right wing, essentially. Right. right. So, yeah. like, we got to keep pushing. We got to keep pushing hard. We got to keep pushing them left. We got to, like, what I talked about in the last and show. And don't, listen, don't buy into any of that crap that Biden and, you know, Klobuchar and people like that are particularly good at reaching across the aisle to these people. Right. Because, Sure, they'll try to reach across the aisle, but don't think that a snickering Mitch McConnell as the Senate Majority Leader is a good idea for America for the next four years. No, I mean, no, and you know we need to win these two races, and then right, then Kamala Harris has the deciding vote in the Senate. I mean, centrism is not the answer. Uh, That's all I'll say. Um, And with that, I will go to a. Very left-wing British band. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can go to Manchester. From Manchester. Take us to 80s '80s Chaos Manchester. 80s Chaos Manchester. This show, like including like our Jimi Hendrix choices, has been incredibly mellow for this podcast. So, like, yeah. (laughs) That's true. And I'm actually going to play, I'm going to finish the show with a very mellow song. Mike is going to spark things up with some. I'm going to I'm going to harsh the mellow for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go to mid '80s Manchester. And this is a band, you know, when you talk you've about you've been warned, you've been warned, right? When you talk about like the great Manchester bands, um, there are a lot, and um, oh. you know, depending upon what genre you want to go or what era you want to go um it's a hard city that it is and this is a band that you know i mean maybe doesn't necessarily deserve to be mentioned in the same breadth as the fall and the smiths and uh you know all now for one thing they were only around for about five years. right exactly and you know ride and a lot of even some or sorry not ride stone roses um some of the later stone roses massive yeah right um you know it, it they were a little bit more obscure and they were a little more i mean it's sort of a, an unintended theme for this show was artists that run their own labels and release their own stuff and that's what Big Flame did with the label Ron Johnson Records, which was primarily created to put out their um, releases, but also, I think importantly, I should note, 
put out the uh, double seven inch book, double seven inch plus book release from the X in um, the mid 80s called the Spanish Revolution. 1936, The Spanish Revolution, a classic release um, on Ron Johnson Records. Uh, And I'm going to play something from their 1986 release. Uh, It's another 7-inch. They kind of released a bunch of 7-inches, and uh, and then a lot of this was reissued later on Drag City on the collection CD release called Rigor. Um, So this is from their 7-inch the title track from their Why Pop Stars Can't Dance 7 Inch Big Flame. Here you go. Dance. Bob, dance. <laughs> dance, Bob. Massive, massive influence on the Welsh band Manic Street Preachers. You ever listen to them? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah massive they, influence on. I think they kind of like, kind of carried the torch, like because they started right around the, the time that the flame ended. You know, right? And they, they passed. It's nice that we played a song that we played one song on the show that uh, John MacArthur would like. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we pack a lot in, or they pack a lot into two minutes. I mean, um, you know how difficult it is to play that way. No, and I can't imagine what their Me live neither, shows mate. were like. <laughs> I cannot imagine. They, they must have been intense live. Um, but, you know, the title, of course, Why Pop I've Stars. Injured, I've injured myself whilst dancing, Mike. As he yeah. instructed me to dance, I've injured myself on a brick. Okay, I'm sorry. I've got, a, I've got a brick that's like, a, I've got half of a brick here that holds down the piece of paper, and there's a little lantern on it, and I've, I've cut my hand a little bit on the, I can't share dance as smoothly as the aforementioned Kamala Harris. But, mm, uh, yeah, I'm that's sorry. okay. I'll be fine. That's okay. Um, Just a bit of a nick, you know. But uh, yeah. in that song, Why Pop Stars <laughs> Can't Dance, they 
did you hear their reference the line dirty uh or guilty feet have got no rhythm yeah did you catch that i know the song yeah yeah they're, they're a little dig at wham or yeah. reference to wham at least um yeah. they're smart asses they're to- total smart asses you know yeah, smart asses on caffeine at least lefty smart asses <laughs> yeah for sure yeah yeah, fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. I haven't thought of them in a while. They're just one of those bands that, uh, you know, I mean, subversive in many ways, releasing their own stuff, politically subver- subversive, you know, total do-it-yourself artist. And um, I think they've been a little overlooked. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think when people see the band name, they think it's going to be something that's, like, big and successful. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of like wrote it funny, like right. letters and everything. Right. Yeah. I think it's the one that, yeah, total punk, total English punk band that, that you know, has not been re-celebrated. Right. For lack of a better verb. And um, I'm just going in order. Last show I played Big Boys, and now I'm playing Big Flame. Uh, I guess next show I'll play Big Stick, right? Yeah, Big Stick. I was going to say, I, I, actually, I will... I will admit that, like I, and they're wildly different. They're from different places, different eras. But I do have a habit of confusing Big Stick and Big Flame. Uh, I can see, which it. is like you I know, just because on the name tip. Yeah. But like, that's all beside this point. I'll take you to the chill out room to close the show. And of course, like um, I'm sure I've mentioned this gentleman before. Uh, one of one of my dear friends, a very valuable member of the Pavement Crew. And I also like to, um speak kind words in the direction of Matador Records to, who've developed a program um, asking for nominations from the bands on Matador of regular crew members that have worked with their band for years in various capacities um, and they're putting a fund together to you nominate your valuable crew members and i i took that upon myself to do that in the case of pavement because pavement um and and the jicks um uh the sound man remco shouten lives in amsterdam and robert ellerby is from hull he lives in amsterdam and andy dimmick lives in hull are long-standing members of pavements crew and and the jicks crew and they've got a program to try to help these three gentlemen that have like basically had no work this year i mean like it's mm, dimmick's like one of the most prized andy dimmick's most one of the most prized stage techs guitar techs in international music he normally works about 250 days a year mm. um and uh robert ellerby uh bobby beige he's really sort of best well known as like a he's an internationally renowned dj like um but he's he's fantastic to have in your crew he's kind of like he's kind of got the easiest job on the pavement crew he's he's kind of like my tech and west tech steve west the drummer so like basically just just to make sure that there's you know i mean andy you know like helps you know whatever he's got to make sure that we're well refreshed you know mm-hmm. um and he's fit but he's like just as just being on tour with him and i think everybody that's ever worked with him 
would say the same thing. Like a huge part of being on a crew, especially pavement had very small crews, um, very tight, all in one bus or in one van. And um, Bobby Bates is like a, what you call a vibeologist. He's just like, he's just a really, really good vibe. And um, he, I've always sort of depended on him as somebody who's just like constantly listening to music and DJing music. And he'll tip me off on things that he's digging. And like, it could be from all over the map. Like he would be great for you to do a podcast with, you know, like, um, like you'd, you'd like, like he would introduce you to so many things you just never heard of before or thought of before that are really cool. And, um, one thing that he's been digging is a 2020 release by an artist named Ezra Feinberg, who was in a, in a band, um, called Cite, C-I-T-A-Y from San Fran and, Subsequently, he moved to Jackson Heights, which is not far from where he used to live, mm-hmm. in Queens. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's put out an album called uh, Recumbent Speech on his own label, <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, because he's the only artist on it. Um, it's interesting because like, the music's referred to as ethereal music, which is like a word that I've only, an adjective I've only ever heard to describe music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what ethereal true. means, yeah. like you know what the actual definition of ethereal. You know, you only hear ethereal like cocteau twins, like right. or ethereal like. You don't hear that word to describe anything else but music. But um, in particular, he, he he has a very sophisticated lot of musicians that play on this, including John McIntyre, of course, a drummer from Tortoise, mm-hmm. or is the or is the English say Tortoise? And um, this is off of his. Uh, album that came out recently um and tip of the cap to bobby beige album's called recumbent speech and the and the song is called acquainted with the night it's chill
chill out room. Yeah, yeah, Ezra Feinberg. That's so, cool. like, the album's called Recumbent Speech, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know? Do you know what a recumbent bike is? Because I guarantee you, there there's several in Portland. Oh yeah, it's the kind where instead of sitting straight up in the in the um in the, on on the seat, you, you're basically laying back, almost reclining. Yeah, yeah. So like recumbent speech means yeah, yeah. It's like. Now, like I've seen them in like there's a there's actually a few in Des Moines. We actually have like you know decent bike lanes and bike trails around here. Like it just seems like a it just looks ridiculous to me. It does. It seems a little. It seems a little odd. But what is have you tried speech? it? Have you tried no, it? Like I have not. Yeah, the I've... people that do it always look like they are like they give you the impression that they're doing some sort of like super exercising, like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. like they figured out that like riding, they might have like used to ride a bike, you know. And but they they all seem very very serious about it. They all seem very serious about their whole gig, the right. whole bike, their whole approach. Like, right. and I've seen like in my life, like mostly, and when I visit Tony and Crystal Beach, I've seen like probably ninety people in recumbent bikes, and they're all like about our age or older and but you know do you know what ethereal actually means it, would you call that ethereal um from a music like standpoint ex- yeah ethereal ethereal is extremely light and delicate in a way that presents that that seems too perfect for the world well and almost yeah almost like otherworldly angelic as well um so yeah we've bitched about we bitched about genre names that also one of the genres that fits under is like definitely the worst genre name of all time, which is new age, mm-hmm. which means mm-hmm. right. Like absolutely nothing. Does it? No, it doesn't. Let's call it, let's call it new age. I mean, that like, would be like, what is it? New age? Like, right. Is like, you know, the, everything that we play that was released in 2020, isn't that new age? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean velvet... like a, a big flame, like, you know, made a new seven inch like when we call that new age right the velvet underground in 1970 said this is the beginning of the new age so you know it's all new age right? yeah it's their fault it's their fault <laughs> uh i would also call that ambient oh uh, yeah ambient for sure ambient um, for sure but you know textured I mean, textured it's just kind of nice mellow relaxing well done um you know kind of beautiful music yeah, exactly. Like William Tyler has, you know, yep. a yep. lot of it. What he he plays sort of sounds like that. You know, Absolutely. like highly, highly skilled musicians just like not being big flame. Right. Doing layered, yeah, mellow, mellow chill out <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. Right. It's like the anti big flame. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, y- you, anyways, you zig, I zag. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about Yeah, you. The Hendrix to MG Clark, amazing. It's been quite a <laughs> podcast for transitioning. Yeah, sorry, MG. Although I guess our first transition made the most sense because the Schindrabeek song had a bit of a country vibe. That's you know, true. Like, and that sort of That's like, true. yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, apologies so, you know, it went to all MG. downhill from there, but apologies you know, to MG that he had to follow Jimi Hendrix. Um, but no, I think I think he actually humiliated Hendrix. You know, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, sure. <laughs> Hendrix can't complain. That's true. You're right. Uh, uh, All right. Anyways, yeah, nice speaking to you. You too. Thank you. Yeah.
Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Be well. Be kind. Uh, yeah, look after yourselves. Keep fighting. Yeah, there's still a um, there's still a pandemic there going is, on. There is. There is. Don't kid ourselves. I mean, where, like we're breaking records here. We're number one in the country. Wear your goddamn masks. Like just. Yeah, just, or just like you know, kind of do as you know, just do essential tasks. I mean, like some it, people yeah. have no choice. Right. They've got to get out there and right. like mix it mix it up. But like, if you have to do it, you, just wear a mask. It's simple. Yeah, yeah. All right, right. well, take good care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you, and be well, everyone.